And I also think if we're talking about a movie that hits both the art standard and also the production um, gross profit standard is um, everything everywhere all at once. Like it hits the perfect sweet spot between being able to showcase the cinematic beauty of film and also a very minority storytelling <laughs> um, concept by also producing a ton of money in the box office and getting a lot of people to talk about it um, in a way that we've never really seen, to be honest, for a lot of minority stories. I still haven't seen it. Oh. I, st- I still no! have yet to see it. it got, see it while it's in theaters if you can find it. Even if you can find like a dollar theater, five dollar theater, whatever. Like see it's, it on the big your, screen. Get your life together, JT. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, ha- I have to be there with JT because I haven't seen it yet. Either, yeah. so. <laughs> I, can't, I can't let him go down. Welcome to another episode of The Keeg Talks. It's that show brought to you by The Keeg, where we talk about a different topic every other week. Uh, Lately, it's been roughly like every week. I feel like we've had a lot to talk about. Uh, For those of you who don't know, it is AAPI Heritage Month. Uh, What month is it? It's May. Yes, it's May. I had to, it's like I knew the AAPI Heritage part, but what month is it? Yeah, it's still May. Uh, it's May 21st, 2022. Uh, and today we are talking about AAPI representation in media. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. And uh, it's not just going to be two hours of me talking because that would get boring. You guys get enough of that. Uh, I have brought on three awesome guests uh, that I will introduce individually. Um, first, to my right, uh, we have Cindy, aka it's Cindy Che. Yes, yes. Yeah. I know we were joking earlier. Um <laughs> and I was like, ah, I shouldn't I shouldn't make the same mistake. It's Sydney. No, Chick. it's it's all good. It's all good. So you uh uh you you rebranded recently. Yeah, I I think I rebranded on Tuesday. So this is very recent. So before, for everybody that doesn't know, before I was Cindy Che, I was Cindy Moon with seven O's. Um, and it was, it's inspired by my favorite Spider-Man superheroine, Cindy Moon. So um, I decided to switch to, um, to not be exactly like her. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you are a big Cindy Moon fan. I, I'm still a big Cindy Moon fan. That has, that is never going to change. Yeah. So yeah. So like, departing from the username I was just like but what about Cindy and I'm just like she's still there it's just gonna be and I said this in my post where I talked about why I changed my name it's she's she's still there I'm just sharing the spotlight with her now yeah yeah Yeah. and this is more you know it's it's more about you and like what you like I get that exactly yeah I was I was doing a lot more than Cindy Moon cosplay so yeah. yeah also as like a show producer was it hell for me to remember that you have seven O's in Moon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you so still enjoyed you. it. I enjoyed it because I could say right. it's yeah. Cindy Moon. Uh, but <laughs> but it is rebranding season. For anyone who didn't know, it's rebranding season. Everybody's rebranding right now. So I saw so many other people were rebranding. And I was just like, oh, okay, guess it's time. So. Yeah, yeah uh it, it's catching on uh but thank you cindy for for coming on this episode uh i look forward to hearing everything you got to say thank you we also have the white wolf of themiscura himself jt jt how's it going good how are you 
I'm doing good. Uh, I, I feel like uh, we've recently become mutuals on TikTok. And like, we have. And then I'm like, uh, what what did you do recently that um, that you tagged me? And I'm trying to remember. Either you saw one of mine and you did it. I forget. But that's TikTok for you. Yeah, I can't remember. But I, I definitely know I tagged you on something. I feel like we've been revolving around the same things for a while now. Yeah, and like we have very similar content. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One could say that. I mean, some people say that I just look at your content and I and I uh, just copy it. But uh, uh, one could say the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad to have you on the show, though. Thank you for having me. It's it's always nice to have uh, 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 fresh blood. Is that what the phrase is? New blood. New blood. <laughs> fresh blood. Fresh meat. <laughs> fresh meat. It, it's oddly violent. Whatever whatever <laughs> these sayings are. Uh, either way, thanks for thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks for having me again. And then, like, oh, sorry, what? I was going to say, I feel like after the movie Fresh, it's just really strange to be using the term fresh meat. If you, <laughs> oh, I have not seen it, but I heard about it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet because it might ruin my image of Sebastian, and I'm such a huge Sebastian. Stan, Stan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, all, all, I, I read the Wikipedia entry for it because I do that for certain horror movies that I'm like, I'm not going to watch it, but I just want to know what it's about because somebody did a meme of like, how's this girl dancing without a butt? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but okay, let me look it up. And then it's true. That's gotta be a fun thing on your Google search history now. Yeah. Why, why, why woman dance when women have no butt? That's what I- (laughs) Woman dance, no butt question. (laughs) content yeah yeah Uh, uh, but uh for anyone who's listening to the podcast they can't see who we are um and they're like oh who are all these voices whatever uh if you're listening to the podcast you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio, maybe some other apps i'm not quite sure uh but if you're watching live stream you can see exactly who it is um you're watching live stream on uh volume.com slash the keeg show which, uh, whereas Volume is our number one streaming platform, we also got twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show and youtube.com slash The Keeg. But uh, if you heard a disembodied voice because you're listening to the podcast, uh, we got Shiv over here, Chivalry Inc., Shiv.ulry. <clears throat> uh, Shiv, how's it going? It's going great, man. I'm excited to be here. This is like one of my favorite topics. So. <laughs> I, I, I knew I was like, I want Shiv on this episode after the whole Archie's, uh, the Archie's debacle. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, definitely an interesting one to get into for sure. I I was in those comments. I was like, I I, just cause like, I, I feel like we all are very similar. Like we're creating content and then it's like, it takes a lot to, for us to like jump into the comments of somebody else and like put in work on somebody else's stuff but your archie's video which i'm sure we'll go over um yeah i felt i had to be there (laughs) yeah no for sure i I appreciate you chiming in on it i mean there's not a lot of other south asian creators i feel like that review movies and tv so i think it was a really great perspective to bring into it so i appreciate it um this episode specifically of the key talks we are talking about asian uh uh so aapi asian american pacific islander but I, the abbreviation is really clunky. Anyway, the point being is uh, we're talking about like 
Asian heritage, Pacific Island heritage representation in media. Um, and that like that, how do you guys feel about AAPI? Does that sum Ooh. everything up? Is this, that, is this just another abbreviation tricky, on the way to something else? It's a tricky subject, AAPI, because I recently just did a TikTok mm-hmm. where I was saying who like my f- top five favorite you know, AAPI, comic book characters, Marvel and DC. And I wasn't thinking, I was just saying my top five, but I neglected some PI characters and I got reamed for that. They're like, well, if you're going to do AAPI, you're not res- representing PI. And I'm like, oh my God, I, you're right. I didn't. And, you know, it was, I think it was my Marvel one. And it was like, you know, I know of Loa and I know of uh, Mondo, but they're not really in my forefront. So I just named my right. five. But so I found out like PI Pacific Islanders technically want to separate from the AAPI month situation. They mm. want their own month. So that becomes like a, such a tricky subject. Right. So I don't know how I feel about that. Right. Um, this abbreviation is not something that I knew of. Uh, 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 you know, before a certain point, I feel like it's popped up recently. Is it nice that at least we're like, we're putting a word onto it? Yeah. But like, maybe it's just a stepping stone to something better. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Cindy, did, did you have a, a thought on that? No, I, I agree with you. I didn't have an abbreviation or a, you know, phrase for this growing up. And I think the first time I ever heard of AAPI or APIDA. Um, that's what I. APIDA. APIDA. It's um, it's Asian Pacific Islander. I don't remember what the D stands for. Um, oh, it's a D. Hoping. I thought it was a T. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a PETA. That's what I've heard. Um, that's like a PETA I, bread. I've never no, heard not of like that. that. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what the abbreviation is. But um, that's like another. That's another abbreviation. It's, okay. That's that's the one that's at my college, the one that I went to. Uh, that's Asian Pacific Islander Desi American. Yes, that's That's it. what I'd look it up. Yeah. That is it. Yes. Thank you for looking that up. Um, but that's that's what I first heard. And the first time I ever heard it was in college when I was a sophomore. So um this is a very new thing for me, or a very new thing in general. And I do think it is, I do think it's a step in the right direction because representation really does matter and yeah um I I see it as a positive right now um and you know and talking about this type of stuff is is also important as well so that's why I'm happy to be here yeah yeah um I I don't think there's just uh like one word that will encompass everyone this is my first time seeing a PETA I was like oh Oh, that also could could be some girl's name like it sounds like a person you know (laughs) Yeah, my my college has cultural centers and the one for um Asian Pacific Islander. It's it's a PETA. That's hmm. why. That's why I know that one. Yeah. That's um, so awesome. I wish I had that growing up. Damn. That's new. Yeah, that's new. <laughs> uh I pre-show, I, I think we figured out that Shiv and I are from the same county. Yeah. Wild. Uh, <laughs> Not I, many brown people here, so that's very interesting to me. Where mine's Irvine. Are, okay, are you okay? You're in Irvine? I'm in um, I'm in Orange, the city of Orange. Okay, so yeah. I'm in I'm in Fullerton, but okay. I had a very, uh, dare I say, unique high school experience because I went to Troy High School. Okay, are you Lots familiar? Yeah, for yeah. sure. 
are, it's like, are we, are we, are we Asian in Orange County? Yes, we know Troy High School. Uh, so I went to Troy High School, which was pretty much half white, half Asian, and, and that part is the mixed part. That's the Apita part. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. and so like, uh, uh, what was I? I where I forget where I was going with that. So uh, I was one of many Asians, South Asians even. Um, but only like one of four Sri Lankans, uh, and two of them were my cousins. So three <laughs> of us count. are related, and then one <laughs> of us was not. So, uh, but as far as like Asian or South Asians uh, were concerned, uh, there was a bunch of us in high school, at least. Um, but that was interesting. Did you guys? Did you guys grow up in in like a diverse area? Like, what was it like growing up in like wherever you guys grew up? I grew up in a Chinese dominant um, neighborhood. So a lot of my, and so a lot of my neighbors, they all were hanging out. And I actually always wondered why my mom was never hanging out with them. It's my mom's Cambodian, so it's not the same culture. So yeah. 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 I grew yeah, so, up in, oh, sorry, JC. No, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I grew up in a city called Arcadia, which is like 92% mm. Asian. Oh. Um, and within that, the amount of South Asians or mostly brown people, there's probably like not even five. So um, I would say that I was raised around a lot of specifically Chinese culture, but just like a whole mixture of Japanese, Taiwanese, Korean, like you name it, it's crazy. Um, so I did feel like a minority in some way, but then also when you're on a Scantron and you're like trying to fill in who you are, you have to identify as Asian. Yeah. So that term Asian American was like such a strange thing as a kid because like, yeah, I definitely was Asian, but the Asians didn't consider me part of their Asian. So right. <laughs> it definitely didn't look like them. So it was just a strange place to fit in. Uh, that's bringing up so many things in my own head. Quick question about Arcadia. And this actually ties in with the subject. Have you ever seen Joan of Arcadia? I haven't. I, I haven't either. Okay. <laughs> I want to know how many Asians were in the show. Was it based off of the city though, or is it based off of some other concept? It's, like, it's Joan of Arc in Arcadia, I think, but like she's getting what? like visions or something. It's Amber Tamblin, who's not Asian, which is fine. But what I'm trying to say is, was there, was it representing uh, Arcadia properly? Probably, I mean, probably not. I mean, probably it's not. Only, Arcadia now has become a lot more diverse, but back when I was growing up, it definitely wasn't, but there okay. is a huge separation. Um, it's like, uh, the upper, upper side of Arcadia and the lower side and the mm. lower side is very Asian. And the upper side is like old money wealth that existed okay. from like the fifties. So it's like all white people. Um, so it could be, <laughs> maybe I'm looking at the cast right now and, uh, not a single Asian. It's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unsurprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this ties in with uh, kind of what we're talking about, like, but, uh, but okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll probably circle right back to that. Uh, JT, uh, were you going to say? I grew up in New York, so it's literally a melting pot of multicultures. But yeah. when I was growing up, um, I'm probably the oldest one here. I'm almost 50. So I grew up in the seventies. Okay. And there wasn't, a, there was a lack of representation for me. Um, I mean, I had Chinese kids in school, I had Koreans, I had Japanese, but I was literally the only Filipino and I didn't relate to the, to the Asian community. I didn't relate to the white community. I just had no idea what I was. So every time we had the Scantron, I would always check off Pacific Islander because I thought I was Pacific Islander. 
but as I got older and I did my research, I realized I'm South Asian. I'm Asian. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't so much a, I felt different um, because I did have some Asian rep- representation in school, but I always felt slightly different because I didn't see anybody that was Filipino like myself. Yeah. Um, it, I, I mean, I, uh, sorry, I got, I got uh, thrown off by Paola, Paola La 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 99 says almost 50. I thought you were like 25 OMG. So sorry. <laughs> so yeah. 1972. Are we, are we, are we allowed to say Asians don't raisin? Cause that is a phrase. <laughs> Uh, clearly a fact here now yes. Yes. By GT. Yes. yeah yeah uh, uh the other I, term i've heard was beige don't age i like that so much better i like i i like that uh i <laughs> there there's something okay so like something that's interesting about like uh aapi or apita or whatever is that like we're, it's with so many different cultures and we're not a monolith at all we get lumped into this heritage month uh, but like, like, do, like the Middle East, does that count? Uh, uh, like uh, for because that's Central Asia or West Asia. I'm not quite sure. Um, and that's something like there's so many cultures. We're, we're spanning like half the globe here. When I do my research, they do bring in uh, Middle Eastern, especially like Turkey, because a quarter of Turkey is in Europe, but if you cross the Bosphorus Bridge, you go into Asia. Yeah. yeah. So if you're I Turkish, you're either European if you were born on one side or Asian if you were born on the other. Right. Uh, the, the thing is like race and these continental lines are like social constructs because they're not as easily, they're not easily defined. Like where Turkey is, it's like Greek wasn't considered European, uh, but you know, or like considered white. It was considered European. It was not considered white. There's like this like long history of like what is what, and uh, uh, I mean, it, it's 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 kind of a tough topic to tackle. But we're gonna solve all the problems in in the next uh, in the next uh, two hours. So you know, lots of lots of pressure. Yeah, totally. lots, lots of <laughs> lots of pressure. Um, uh, Something that uh, I forget who brought it up. Something that I just realized is that there's the South Pacific, which is not South Asian. Then there's South Asian, which is the Indian subcontinent and all outlying islands in the Indian Ocean, whether or not it's part of India. Uh, uh, Like I speak from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is in the Indian Ocean, but not part of India. But it's part of the Indian subcontinent, but it's not a contiguous part of the continent it's weird everything's weird and you know what yeah. messed it all up colonization that's yeah. <laughs> 100 imperial I, mean, I think all of us can agree on that so. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> filipino culture is like a melting pot of multiple cultures yeah yeah the uh, sri lanka uh 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 everywhere yeah i i was doing my research into sri lanka because it's not you know talked about much um so I had to like do my own independent research and like, oh yeah, just like 600 years of colonization across three different uh, European countries. Yep. Cool. <laughs> my last name is Pereira and it's Portuguese. And it's like, nobody knows if, if it's, is it because 
were mixed or is it because we were owned? Both? I don't know. How does the amount work? of Spanish last names in Philip in the Filipino community is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's 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 wild. Um what what were you guys what were you guys watching when you were younger? And were you watching anything with Asian representation? Yikes. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up watching a lot of Disney Channel and there are not a lot of brown people on Disney Channel. There are some Asian people. You had Brenda Song, obviously. Yeah, huge yeah trailblazer. We did, we did. Um, <laughs> and I feel like what's crazy is to see Disney Channel now and to see how much of a diversity play they're doing is, is really great, you know? at the same time, you just kind of feel like, okay, but where was it when I was growing up? And how would that have shaped my confidence going to school and then going to college? And um, so it's it's something I think about a lot. Now, gr- the kids that are growing up, like how that affects who they are and their the way they identify culturally. But other than just Disney Channel, uh, I watched a ton of Bollywood movies, even though I'm from the South of India. And yeah. that is kind of what made me feel seen at the end of the day, because there was a whole industry dedicated to just brown people, right? And right. it was the equivalent of Hollywood. So I'm lucky that I had at least that to kind of tie into my identity. Um, but at the same time, it's not like I could go to school and be like, oh my God, you watch this Bollywood movie? Like, they're not going to know what I'm talking about, you know? So it felt yeah. very lonely at the same time or that I could only talk to my family about it. Yeah. Um. Real, real quick, just as a, a, a refresher to, or, or, you know, even new information to, to anyone out there who, who's watching, Bollywood is based in North India and does not have really any South Indian people in it, right? Yes. In the industry. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, they also are like very known for the fact that they promote this idea of Eurocentric beauty standards. So a lot of the females specifically are very lighter skinned Indians. They don't have a lot of melanin in them, which does not reflect any part of the Indian subcontinent, right? So it's it's very alienating watching it. So even within the sphere that I was that felt rep- I felt represented in, there's like a se- certain sense of like, well, I still don't belong, right? Like mm. I have way darker skin than these people, and that's just not me. So colorism is something that's taught been talked about more recently, but like really has been talked about for like generations. Uh, just putting the word onto it uh, is is you know, has been important in like identifying colorism. I feel like it affects like every country, every colonized country, every, there's some like something up with colorism and and, and whatnot. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting thing to point out that it's not even race related. It's, but it is, but it's also just color and what that means. Um. I forget what my original question was, if anyone remembers. It was um, what we grew up watching yeah. and like if we felt represented. Um, I'm, I've been thinking about that question um, for a while. And I grew up, my favorite Disney princess was Cinderella. Um, and I was obsessed with Disney Channel. I was obsessed with Disney Channel as well. But I don't remember relating to any of those characters in a cultural sense. Um, so... I don't think I've ever really felt represented in a character until recently. And the character I 
sorry, English. Um, the character I feel the most represented with um, in a cultural standpoint, it's not Cindy actually, it's, it's Raya, um, Raya and the Last Dragon, because she's, she's based on Southeast Asian culture. And not only was that a big deal for me, it was a big deal for my mom, because ever since she found out who Raya was, my mom, like, my mom's kind of like been really proud. Like my mom has this like little smirk when we talk about Raya and it, it's funny. And like, I started cosplaying Raya and it's it's been really nice um, because it's like, my mom has always been like very confused and weirded out about my cosplay hobby. But this was the first character she was like, I'm gonna build this cosplay with you. We're gonna do it right. This Aww. is what this part of her outfit's called. Um, it's not supposed to be called Kanji in the movie. It's supposed to be Babal. And I was just like, okay, mom, keep telling me more facts. Like, go <laughs> yeah. out, like, please. So, it was so funny. But um, Raya is the character I feel the most represented with. And she's only been around for a year, so. Has it only been a year? Yep, in March, it was the one year anniversary of Raya being Wow. Uh, is she utilized as much as she should be? I think she's starting to be utilized more. They did introduce her to the Disneyland parks. They okay. did. They introduced her during Lunar New Year. Um, I'm not sure if they introduced her to Disney World. And um, there's plenty. Of, there's a lot of toys out there for her. Like, I don't know why, but a lot of like the kids toys at Target are perfect for cosplay. They have her, they have part of the dragon gem. They have the dragon necklace that um, Namari gives her. And I use that in my cosplay. I just went to Target and bought it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of like, not only are these kids toys, but they're good for cosplay. It's yeah. really cool <laughs> Multi-purpose. Yes, exactly. I love it here. Um, every Everything that you guys bring up, it brings up like five other questions and like, uh things to go on but no we're going to continue with this jt yes um what i grew up watching so obviously i love wonder woman so i grew up watching her because i was watching tv in the 70s and 80s and i had zero representation like the representation i got were these racist caricatures like for example um you know white people playing Asian characters. So I had zero representation. Not until it was like in the 2000s when I would start seeing representation. Um, But growing up, and I think that's what skewed my, you know, psyche where I was like, well, I want to be white because I had zero representation. Like, what did I watch? Um, Bionic Woman, Bionic Man, Charlie's Angels, Love Boat. It was just like, all white people like yeah barely any representation from any country right it's uh even though we're making leaps and bounds now uh that's been a relatively like recent change especially when yes. it comes to uh uh you know uh aapi representation in media uh but even in a broader sense just like people having people of color in media has been a recent thing or at mm-hmm. least the the you know pro- proliferation of it um has been recent um i grew up watching a lot of tv land because my parents like can't vet a show that's like new for like kids so they're like okay we're gonna watch the things that like we watched you know um but because of that so we- what i watched <laughs> 
basically, yes. But reruns. I, I, no, I might I'm be as saying, old as your parents. I'm not saying a oh, one way. No, no, no. My parents are my parents are older. I'm not as as young as I look, but I like I like beige don't age. I like that. I'm, that's the first time I've heard that. I use brown don't frown. That's that's my thing. But uh, uh, beige don't age works well. Though I don't know whether I'm beige, but regardless, neither here nor there. Um, Yes, I did grow up on TV land and, and you're right, Charlie's Angels, something that I grew up on. And the standard of beauty is white woman. That's really like, so the standard of beauty is white woman. The standard of like male action hero, uh, of course we have this like toxic masculinity portion of it, but it's really also like white guys kicking ass. Or if you're Asian, you know, martial arts. It's like this like random thing. And so like growing up, even though like Bruce Lee existed and Bruce Lee does not, does not um, uh, 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 prove that there was representation, just that there was him, uh, there wasn't South Asian representation at all. So uh, like we got like, like Aladdin was like a big thing for me growing up. I loved Aladdin. Is it even remotely the same culture as, as Sri Lanka or South Asia? No, because it was Agrabah, which is a, a, a fictional location in a fictional Middle Eastern-esque society. Um, but Aladdin was cool. Aladdin's still cool, but at the same time, like, uh, uh, there wasn't any... I, I think I grew up more with, like, black shows. Uh, uh, the Jeffersons on reruns, Fresh Prince, Family Matters. <clears throat> I was a big Urkel fan. Um, and th that like, I think was like a big thing to me growing up. And then we got more representation as uh, everybody I'm sure has stories of caricatures and stereotypes of, there'll always be like some kid named Ravi or Baljeet in something. <laughs> and now people call you that. Uh, did, no, you any, did you guys have any, did you guys have any, do you guys have any like experience with people watching a show and then relating it back to you, their only person of reference? For me, no, because there was, there weren't any Filipino representation. Yeah. So they couldn't really call me anything. Did they call you anything tangentially? Did they uh, like uh, anything Asian? No, not really. Okay. They didn't know what to make of me. Right. They thought I was a Hawaiian. I, you know, because I'm six foot tall. Yeah. And I was always the tallest kid in class. So they they always assumed I was Hawaiian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I did have experience with um with like when in elementary school there was I I have a vivid memory of a kid calling me Chinese lady and it would always irritate me because it was the wrong culture it's like I was just like you do you, you realize I'm Cambodian and I've told you that I'm Cambodian you keep calling me Chinese lady like are you not listening and like obviously we're kids so how how do we know any better and I remember he won at one point said okay Cambodian lady and I was like thank you finally and then he stopped and I never heard him tease me again and now I'm kind of thinking about that I'm just kind of like wow I really shot down that bully <laughs> But um, when you were talking about like the stereotypes and things like going in, like when you see representation, but it's like 
as caricatures and stuff the one the one that i vividly remember the most it's like asians aren't good at driving um i've seen that play out in comedy shows and that was like the biggest stereotype for me like people will always be like oh you're not going to be a good driver because you're asian and and i'm i'm realizing i just like i didn't even realize that that was that was like as impactful as it was because it's just kind of like oh wow like this was really stigmatized like about our driving skills when it, that, there are driving skills ultimately don't have anything to do with the culture we were raised in or right. like what we were born as it's just that was just a stereotype and it was it was a funny gag for tv so i, I just remember did london tipton have to learn how to drive in yeah and london Life? tipton was an awful driver because she didn't know yeah yeah you know it's funny because as we're talking I'm thinking more and more about like representation then versus representation now and now that I'm thinking about the driving one um in Shang-Chi Katie Chen is a fantastic driver so I'm just kind of like oh my god we've already started beating this like yeah yes (laughs) yeah uh 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 Shiv yeah, the way that stereotypes work in my mind is like a twofold impact where like the first step is like that visual representation, people like latch on to the characters and then they they constantly cross identify you that way. So like mine was always Kelly Kapoor from The Office, even though I look nothing like Mindy Kaling. Right. But because I was like baseline funny and I was very out- outgoing and extroverted and because The Office was one of my favorite shows, I constantly got identified as her when we have like nothing in common, you know, like she's obviously a huge character, even of herself. Right. Yeah. But um, other than that, you had the visual representation of like Apu from the Simpsons who I absolutely hated growing up because obviously there's a whole accent, um, you know, bullying that happens because of that. And um, randomly the guy from how I met your mother, that was a taxi driver, which was like the, again, the only identifiable person in such a popular comedy series yeah um if you're a Seinfeld fan there's a guy that owned the I can't the name is failing me right now but the one that owned the restaurant across the street um he was Pakistani Mm. um so there's the stereotype visually right that you get compared to and then there's the impact that it has like in bullying and how people talk to you and perceive you which I think is like the worst part right because now they're attaching all the things that they see on screen they somehow think that you that is you, right? right? And that rightfully they can bully you for those things. Um, and uh, specifically as a brown woman, I think it's a lot of the time that, you know, uh, they're, that we're submissive or that we are only meant to do certain things in life and um, never really surpass that. Also just an overall Asian stereotype for women. Um, and then on top of that, <laughs> that we are like, hairy and smelly and sweaty, which is like perpetuated a lot in comedy shows, like Cindy was mentioning, um, that only now recently, I feel like because of PC culture has kind of like really subsided. Right. But um, to me, it's always worked in those two ways, right? Where you have something like visually that people make fun of you for, and then something that they've like now, because they, it's almost like they learned what this, this specific type of group represents. They're like, we're just going to bully you because of those reasons. Um, so yeah. I, I feel like the the stereotypes and uh, like we have all these groups within our like Asian uh, umbrella that everyone's kind of dealing with their own stereotypes. Then there's some crossover, but then there's also like it's all intersectional as well as the treatment of men 
versus women. That's like a, like a whole other thing. That's like a, there's different stereotypes for one or the other. Uh, 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 Asian women versus Asian men, right? Like what are, you know, the different uh, stereotypes there? Um, I forget where I was going with that, but. Uh, I think it's funny that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just thinking, I think the reason why I didn't get picked on for being Asian is because they didn't know what to choose, whether they're going to pick on me for being AAPI or LGBTQ. Mm. So they had a gamut of the alphabet they wanted to pick on. They chose the LGBTQ part. They were and like, oh, no, age. an embarrassment of riches. There's so exactly. many things I could say. Exactly. I can't. I can't. Oh, no. they freeze the up. The full They're alphabet like, mafia over here. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, I, yeah. I went through this weird I feel like it wasn't even like, how are we going to bully you? It was, how are we going to put y'all in the same group and identify you all as the same person? Because my, one of my best friends in high school was Filipino and um, we're still friends to this day, but so many people thought we were brother and sister. So many people thought we were twins to the point where during twin day on our senior year, we were dressed up as each other. And, you know, we granted we were best friends and we were like, you know, we're besties and like, you know, people think we're related. Um, But now that I'm starting to think about it, it's just like you really thought a Filipino was twin sisters with a half white, half Cambodian person. It's just kind of like it's all it's all it's it's all bunched together. Right. Because we all all look alike. Because we all look alike. And that's not true. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like trying to identify us and trying to label us isn't always malicious, but it, it like you get like they can have microaggressions and be racist without it being consciously malicious, I guess. Like there, mm-hmm. there's so many degrees and so many intents. Sometimes people are just trying to relate or not relate, maybe, or try like identify you for the purpose of like, who is Dimitri? But then there's an inherent flaw there too, uh, which is like, like I need to figure out what Dimitri is so I can know what he's good at and how he's thinking. And it's like, why don't you just ask me? Why don't, like, but like if you're trying to figure out who Dimitri is and what he's good at, you're stereotyping. Right. Just because you're Sri Lankan doesn't mean like, you know, you're right. good at everything that every Sri Lankan does. Right. Or like right. being Asian doesn't mean we all know Kung Fu. Right. Or you know, are bad drivers. So I think like, I think you just have to, to relate to somebody on a personal level rather than try to figure out what they are and lump them up in a group because right. we're all individuals, right? There, I mean, there are times where people misidentify you. Wait, has there been times where people like have misidentified you and treated you one way versus another? Hawaiian. Yeah, they bring- I actually rarely <laughs> get that I look Indian. Like no one ever yeah. thinks that I'm Indian. And then if I do, they always think that I'm Punjabi, which is the north of India, mm. because that's actually what's most represented in a lot of Hollywood media. So that's kind of where people go directly. So, um, and I'm just very adamant on correcting people on that because I'm very proud of who I am. So um, I do like asking people to guess sometimes just to see what happens. I get um, like indigenous Native Americans sometimes. I get a lot of times I get Hispanic or Latina, um, but I rarely get Indian. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cindy, were you going to say them? Yeah. Um, I get mistaken for Hawaiian 
and I've also been mistaken for um, Latina and Hispanic. So I've, I've heard, I've heard it all. Like, and I have people that have looked at me and said, you do not look Asian. Why are you here? Like, I have a vivid memory of yeah. going to, there was a, there was a cult, there was an Asian cultural club on my campus in my freshman year. I went to the first meeting and the first person I talked to flat out said, you don't look Asian. I was wondering why you were here. Wow. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately experienced a lot of people that I was trying to connect to on a cultural level, just kind of shooting me down because I didn't exactly match or fit them. Yeah. Um, like that was one of the experiences. And then another experience is um, in the, in the same cultural group, like as like when I got a few, when I was like older, um, I would go out like, I would go out and about like how college are you go college parties and like they would just they would just start calling me the white girl and I just didn't like it at all because okay. I was I I'm always I've been very sensitive about my identity especially like growing up with that am I Asian am I white how am I both and like you know eventually I realized I can be both I am both I actually you know I am both and I am proud so having somebody just straight like take away that Asian and just be like oh you're white like you're the white girl I was just like can you not say that because I know you're just teasing me but it's not fun anymore it's like right because they're disregarding your other half right yes, you're exactly both. yeah yeah exactly that's how that's how it felt and you know I they probably were they probably didn't intend for me to feel this way but that's how it felt and right yeah yeah, being biracial comes along with other struggles, not just being Asian. Yeah. They, there's also the, the idea of like acting white, where it's like, where, what, what do you, what, what does the majority want from us? Do they want us to be what we're labeled as? Do they want us to be like them? They're going to make fun of you no matter what. I feel like that's the lesson learned, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, Ah, uh, Dimitri, why can't you just be more like everybody else? Or, uh, uh, Dimitri, you're a coconut. And it's like... And then you get that from uh, other people in your, in your own uh, 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 um, uh, grouping, right? Like calling, calling each other coconuts. And it's like, who's, who's wider? Who's more Sri Lankan? Whatever. Like, it, it's, it's this weird thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the the constant struggle between trying to assimilate into, especially when you're growing up, assimilate into white culture and also stay identifiably tied to your roots is was such, I don't know, I'm sure everyone can relate at some point, but it was such a struggle for me because I felt like I had to run away from it in order to be accepted by people. And then only now is it being celebrated when you have like so many South Asian people that are doing great things in media and in the world in general that now I feel like, okay, well now I can step out into the light and actually show who I am because they'll embrace me. They'll really yeah. embrace me for my differences versus before I was outcast because of those same differences. Yeah. What, what has changed recently when it comes to representation in media? Simu Liu pops up in my head. Like, I love him. He's love him. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and like i think and dare i say dare i say the big defining factor of simu liu is 
Well, actually, he has a couple of great things going for him. But, like, he's a very attractive man. He's a hot guy, right? And that, like, for some reason is this, like, spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down kind of thing. Where it's like you, you have, like, you have him and then people accept you. It's this weird thing. I don't know. JT, did you have a? Yeah, I mean, because it's funny, like, going through TikTok, a lot of, like, um, Asian, from Asia, don't find him attractive because right. he doesn't have the, for lack of a better word, he doesn't look they're white. Like he looks mm. like an Asian man. Yeah. And I think Asia, they want to be more white than right. we do growing up here in the, the United States. Right or anywhere else. So it was just a weird dynamic seeing like people from Asia saying, no, he's not attractive, but here we see him as extremely attractive. But another thing I just was wondering, is like, seemingly he was not exactly the first Asian to hit mainstream media. No. Is it because he's male? Because Lucy Liu was technically the first to be on mainstream media, but she's a woman. So why didn't she have the same impact as seemingly you? I, I will let uh, uh, Cindy or Shiv uh, respond to that. Shiv? I actually, or I actually don't know who Lucy Liu is by name, so <laughs> I'm about to... My I'm heart! So... My heart! <laughs> I am a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, I think that the easiest answer that probably people don't want to hear is that women are just not treated the same as men in yeah. media. Um, the more, like, I feel like complex answer is maybe that she didn't get a lot of the roles after the, okay. after charlie's angels right is what she was in so like i think that it's it's a, it's a two again it's like a nope. i'll be right back oh. <laughs> she sorry. gets like put in no, the spotlight sorry. and then doesn't ever get to see the light of day after that because she got her one hit wonder type of thing and that yeah. was it right um it is really great to see that sumu is getting more projects outside of marvel right and yeah. that he's getting like romantic comedy type castings because that's a really important thing to see it's also obviously really important that we got crazy rich asians for the same concept right like uh we never really see asian couples in rom-coms up until literally uh, three or four years ago like that's Mm -hmm. a crazy thing for me to think about considering i was raised in a predominantly asian society so like um uh i think that just with women in general it's a very the way that hollywood handles it is just super I don't know what the opposite of delicate is, but they just kind of like just toss them into roles and then you never see them again. And they're never, uh, they're never put at the same pedestal that men are. Right. Uh, So, yeah, honestly, now that we're talking about it, um, I know Shang-Chi was not the first Asian hero to be seen in media. It was Mantis because Mantis in comic is half Vietnamese and, um, I, I did I did enough research about Mantis to know that her MCU counterpart compared to her comic counterpart is just nowhere near the same. In fact, the person that created Mantis was disappointed with the MCU creation of her. Yeah. Um, and me having no awareness of what her comic book self was like when I first saw Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy, gasp. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's so funny. I love the I love the like oblivious alien like thing it's like this is how i need a smile so people will like me it's just like i thought it was like a funny like oh she's like this because like she's an alien that doesn't understand like human socialization right um 
but you know apparently she was nowhere near her comic book counterpart who was apparently one of the strongest I believe one of the strongest heroes in Marvel like that's what she was made to be um so it's 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 weird how she was drastically different yeah and it was like shot down I also want to add that when you mentioned that Simu was hot um uh agreed obviously but on top of that uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's, uh, there's like a, in the South Asian creator community that is like not related to movies at all, just like beauty influencers, right? Yeah. There, there was this conversation that came up about how as a POC woman, you have to be extremely hot to be like, if you're in the room with other white women to be considered yes. to be picked right amongst the, the flock. Yeah. And it's something I felt to my core being a part of even just a very light skinned group of Indian people and being the darker one, I was never looked at. Right. Right. I'm not saying this as a way of saying I need validation for men to pick me. I'm saying that that is a, a fact in society and in the beauty standard that we live in. So when you talk about someone that looks as good as Simu making it out to Hollywood, finally, it's that way for so many other people. And the one that comes to mind immediately is um, Kingo. Wow. Camille uh, Nanjiani. There we go. Okay. Um, and because he was in movies prior, he's obviously a comedian. People never thought Camille was hot. No. I'm just going to put that out there right now, right? My guy had to get a six pack <clears throat> and then post the six pack in order for people to even recognize that he had some sense of hotness. And even then he was called like, you know, from the neck down, he was hot. Like no one would want to consider that his face was attractive, right? right? So he's like the epitome to me of like, okay, so in order for us to make it, we need to fit this specific standard, right? Right. Um, so that's just something I thought of when you said that Simu was hot, but yeah. Yeah, by the way, I, I brought up Simu not to say he was the first or anything. I just, he's the forefront no, no, no. recently. Uh, or yeah, least, no, you, you're right. You I feel I mean? that he, he really did like charge. Henry Henry Golding kind of did a pass to him, and then yeah. like Simu Liu uh, is dunking it. Um, I think to tie they all up- walk so that Simu could run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's uh, that? What's that TikTok audio? It's like she fucking strutted that runway, Mama, yeah. so that Peppa could run. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this. Is. Um, I, I think that ties in what we were talking about in the last five minutes is that the purpose of of any non-white male protagonist in a thing is to support the story of the white male protagonist. So if you're not white male or the protagonist, the goal is to support the white male protagonist. So Lucy Liu, for instance, her goal is to look hot, be the love interest, so on and so forth, right? And there's a purpose for, the exotic Asian woman trope is like you pair him with a white guy and now that is their purpose and you don't get treated as seriously as an actress because you're window dressing for the the real star of the show Kevin Costner you know the real uh uh you know star of the show blah 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 um savior what sorry the savior yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) you know Prince Charming he has to be white right uh it's his show uh, and then, then as time went on, then you bring in uh, Asian men to do support for that white male protagonist. But the Asian men are doing things like literal support, like IT, man and chair uh, situations, uh, uh, dork, you know, so on and so forth. I, one of my acting teachers uh, was like, um, 
essentially like was like you're great but uh you know uh you're gonna just get like supporting best friend roles and you got you know hope you're cool with that kind of thing and it's like cool <laughs> I, I just okay this is gonna be such a random thing for me to say but I feel like this is a place where I can say this. Um, when I was a kid, my sister and I got cat got cut from the all white cast of Mulan Junior in a, a community theater company. From Mulan? Yeah, it was. We we they were putting on Mulan Junior, and the entire cast was white kids, and oh my, my sister and I were cut from the show. What? Yeah. And you're literally <laughs> half Cambodian. Yes. Yes exactly i just remember and like sometimes to this day like because the the that community theater that put on that production like they have they have a a consistent history of like not being the best so in recent news like things have gone down at that company and so my sister and i have just kind of been going like hey remember when we got cut from the all white cast of mulan (laughs) jr just it's just kind of like jeez like uh, there was a community theater that 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 I was a part of. Uh, that's that's great. They're they're great, but I do think they have blind spots because of the demographic of a city north to me is like predominantly white, and so they're from that city and they they do good work and they they you know there's nothing about that. That being said, when I was in high school, they did the Wiz. We we oh. did the Wiz. Not the Wizard of Oz, the Wiz. The Wiz specifically. Oof. So me being one of the only people of color there, uh, uh, I didn't need a lead role. I didn't get a lead role. I did get a role. I was the gatekeeper, uh, which has a speaking role. But the point being is like, I, I didn't ask for anything bigger than that. What I'm trying to say is, is it fair to say that there are stories that like we need to like people need to not do unless they have the the demographic for it well specifically the wiz because the wiz is an adaptation of the wizard of oz which is a white production yeah the wiz was made as a person of color production why choose the wiz you have the wizard of oz so why do the wiz and cast an all-white cast yeah uh my sister in junior high she did once on this island once is that what it was called uh i believe that's what it's called yeah that was like an all-white cast like in her junior high uh there's a lot of cases of this right i've seen this happen multiple times in various different like community theaters and it's like this is something i never really thought about until recently where it's like Oh, that was racially insensitive, wasn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, like the the, the all white cast of Mulan Junior. We're all we're all children. Like, yeah, well, yeah. we all don't know any better. I I didn't think I ne- like when I got cut from that show. I never thought it was be. I never thought about it on a racial standpoint. I yeah. just thought that I wasn't a good enough talented child to be in the ensemble. Like that's that's where my mind went, and I just nowadays now i'm just kind of like oh wow that that is a thing that ex- that i experienced that can be seen as bad i'm i'm almost afraid to ask is there is there a video of their of their production because there's gotta be somewhere <laughs> I'm, I, I'm afraid of makeup and costuming choices i'm just I afraid i do not 
I do not think they did any racially insensitive makeup. Okay. I I okay. Because I remember going to see that show, and I remember I don't remember anything like that. But then again, it's it's been. I was. This is like plus ten years ago, so it's been a while. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yay! We love we love we love community theater. I love that's how we that's where we're at, we're at right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what were we? Uh, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to cycle back and in, in kind of uh, what we we're talking about. We're talking about seeing you. We we're talking about uh, a Kumail. Uh, Shiv brought up a good point where like. You got to be a 10 out of 10 to be considered with the sevens out of 10, essentially, like to compete. Isn't that all of Hollywood though? Like, (laughs) but they're like, but there are seven out of tens competing for the same role, like a 10 out of 10 person of color. You Um, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, dare I say the white range is seven to tens and the, the people of color range is tens. And you gotta you gotta be a ten. Yeah, and like across the board, not just like looks wise. Like your talent also has to be that level. Versus, we get some like mediocrity that they put out for a lot of white casting. It's just like, okay, well, how do you get this job? You know, <laughs> yeah, you like uh, the lights. mediocrity of it all. <laughs> I uh, I was I was watching Top Gun. I watched Top Gun yesterday. Uh, because uh, I'm going to go see Top Gun Maverick and I'm like, I need to watch the first one because it's been a long time. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the character of Goose, um, who's like Tom Cruise's like wingman, or not wingman, second, like second chair in his in his jet. He could have been played by a person of color because that actor did not add anything of note to that character he did not do anything. He was not good. He was just there. He's like, I'm the best friend. That could have been a person of color. Cause that guy, like, there's no standing up for that guy. You know what I mean? There's so many casting choices where I'm just like, this could have been a way more diverse cast. Like right. for no reason did it need to be just white people. Right. But also think about it. Like this was done in the eighties where diversity wasn't such a big factor back yeah. then i think diversity became more of a factor when dare i say it like social media came on board where right. we can voice our opinions openly and like demand stuff before we were silent without social media now we have the voices ev- our voices everywhere yeah so i think the fact that we're demanding more, more diversity is what changed it um so back in the 80s there was zero zero representation yeah no yeah uh not just our voices but our connections too right right for 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 minority groups that live in the midwest you know they they can now talk to 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 minority groups in other parts of the country right and we can share ideas and we can also be like uh you know uh uh people in, in flint can be like hey everybody our water is not good like by the way, I don't know whether that's been solved yet, but I don't think so. 2023, you know, yeah. um, but like, like the communication, you're right. Social media does change and it connects us. Um, Cause I'll be honest, like my family is kind of insular. It's just four of us. We're just kind of like, we're not part of like a, a bigger uh, community um, other than like what we had in school. 
Um, and so like being able to connect with people obviously uh, uh, changes things. But I think that the mindset back in Top Gun days and just older days is like, cast an all white movie because everybody is going to see an all white movie. And their mindset was, if you do a black movie or an Asian movie, only those communities will see those movies. But everybody loves white people. That's the friends that's, mentality. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good point. You know? Um, but what I'm, what I was, uh, trying to tie in with the Top Gun thing is that like people, a lot of people's knee-jerk reaction is like, best person gets the part, best person gets the part. But when you look at Goose at Top Gun, I'm like, ah. Could have been played by anyone. Could have been played by anyone. So then what's the excuse there? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think back in the 80s also, they had very specific movies for very specific audiences. Like, I remember watching Top Gun, but, like, my humor ranges more in, like, the person of color. Like, I used to watch Eddie Murphy movies like Boomerang. Boomerang is one of my favorite movies, and it's pretty much an all-Black cast. Yeah. Um, So I think they were very... they They targeted specific genres. Whereas now we want a mix we want more of a representation for what we're seeing like with a with a mixture of different cultures and races yeah uh a word i'm throwing out there uh, and i want to know people's uh kind of kind of uh uh thoughts about this uh, i haven't said it yet is proportional representation when we have populations uh like like having media because media affects life and life affects media and it's this weird cycle that sometimes gets a feedback loop um having proportional representation is important because we're representing the population as is why aren't 50 percent of heroes women because 50 percent of people are women it should literally just be a half half thing like let's just draw a line and like do that why is it so hard for us to accept female superheroes um uh, but the same goes with 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 uh, uh, racial groups, ethnic groups, minority groups in general, uh, uh, people of the LGBTQ plus community, like proportional representation. How come? I don't know. Does anyone have any thoughts about proportional representation? I believe it's going to get better with time uh-huh. because I feel like even as even recently uh, we're starting to see more of that representation so it's like and I agreed with JT it's like social media really was the thing that was like hey we want this like people started having a voice because of social media and I do think that because of all this things are starting to change and I think we are I think the more time passes the more change we'll see we're going to see a lot more people um representing a lot of different backgrounds and I, I I'm excited to see where it goes because th- there might be something there might be something that hasn't been made yet that'll come out in like a year or two that's going to be like a like a really big impactful thing in a positive right. way so I, I think we are going in the right direction so. I agree mm-hmm. you know the, I think as the years go by we're seeing a lot more representation mm-hmm. and seeing it from you know versus what we had 10 20 years ago it's such a huge difference yeah and i i know we mentioned like why wasn't this here growing up like i think shiv you said that earlier it's like why didn't i have this growing up like these like these characters or these shows um 
I, I completely relate to that. It's like, I didn't have this growing up, but I am so glad that the future generation is going to grow up with this. Um, I am the Raya for a princess party company in my area. Yeah. Um, I, fun fact, I am wearing the friendship bracelets that some kids made me when I was Raya. They got got, like little dragon gems on them. Um, and, um, one of the girls that was at this party that I went to, she was dressed as Raya. Like she had the like little Raya kids outfit and, I looked back at the photos that we took of each other because I was like, let's hold up our bracelets together for our photos. She never took her eyes off of me. Like every photo I have with her, she is looking at me and nobody else. And that's so important when you have yes. kids looking up to you, like they yes. see themselves in someone mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. it's huge. Yeah. And I I see it a lot in the cosplay standpoint because that's that's what I do the most most of my time I'm a cosplayer and I've I've had experiences at conventions where um I I actually had an experience when I was cosplaying Silk so Sydney Moon Um, love Silk yes I love her so much um I had a I had an experience where this an Asian father came up to me and was like can you take a picture with my daughter and I was like I have no idea if this man knows who I am or like who this character is but he saw me and was like looks like my kid like yeah so like I, I see it a lot in the cosplay stand, standpoint, and, I, and I, it's, I definitely see this as a step in the right direction. It's just like having all these characters and like having that representation and it, it mattering. I hope mattering is a word. Um, yeah. I think, we're, I think yeah. we're going in the right direction. That's kind of like the moral of what I'm saying, so. I mean, like um, going back to what Shiv says, like Bridgerton, you know, you are pretty much getting a very huge cast of, person of color representation, specifically Southeast Asian. I, I also think with um, the concept of proportional representation comes another, like maybe a, a bridge a concept of responsible representation. Yeah. Because although we are getting great smaller minority storytelling in a lot of different projects, whether it is superhero related content or not, um, to me, it's way more important to for people to do their research and make sure that even these small stories that we're telling are accurate because, like you said, life and media are so clearly tied together that people then start to perceive people based on what they're viewing. Um, and what I think is actually really important about proportional representation is how that affects creators because what we're seeing now that we've never really seen before is just a very diverse group of people that a feel comfortable talking about whatever content they want to talk about whether that is from the range of beauty to film on tiktok but also that they're adding their voice to this conversation because like you mentioned 50 percent of women 50 percent of the population is female but we don't see those people cast right when i think about rotten tomato reviews and how many people go watch a movie based off of that count do they ever realize that like the the proportion of the reviewers that they're basing that whole critique perspective on is probably men number one number two is probably white men (laughs) and then number three if they are poc men that's the third group and then the last group would be women and then even below that is poc women women. so um it's something that i thought about recently because i watched the northman and i'm not going to talk about how i didn't like it but i just wanted to mention the fact that the critiques on rotten tomatoes the majority of those critique the, the critics on it 
are white men. Yeah. So when people are saying, look at the Rotten Tomato score, I'm like, no, I don't care about the Rotten Tomato score. It has not, that's not my perspective. I don't feel myself reflected in that. And it's my opinion at the end of the day, if I didn't like it, it's because from my lived experience, I don't see myself or I, I can appreciate the story of what they're trying to tell. But at the end of the day, like you're telling me I'm supposed to like all this egotistical machismo on screen. Why? Because I'm not a man. Like, I'm so confused. And I think that people get so lost in this concept of like, oh, well, why does representation matter? And I'm like, if you were to see it very clearly from someone with the lived experience, then maybe it would make sense. <laughs> so um, that's kind of what I think about with all this like new wave, the new wave of representation and diversity that we're getting is just like, I'm totally here for it. I completely agree with Cindy that it's going to get better with time. And these are baby steps that are definitely worth celebrating, but um, it's just going to get better with time. Yeah, I agree. Um, you brought up a good point. And I think it's, it's worth talking about how like not only is it representation in front of the camera, it's behind. And it's not just in cameras, actually, because like like uh, a lot of us are plugged into comic books. Right. And like uh, uh, comic book representation is also like in front of the camera means the characters. Right. But like behind the cameras, the writers and the artists and what we learn in whether whatever media it is, is like representation has to be proportional or or responsible in every step of the matter right like uh, for instance in, in the comic books i was reading a short story or a short uh, vignette in in um dc comics shadow war zone but it had to do with talia al ghul and rachel ghul who are middle eastern east asian uh kind of mix and uh for the first time in a long time they colored Talia Al Ghul brown, and they made Raish Al Ghul look uh, East Asian, and they incorporated like words that were like uh, a father, like what was it? It was like Baba or something. But the point being is, I I've never read that in a in a Batman comic, and I'm like, I wonder who first thing wrote it to incorporate that because that's something very specific, and then. Uh, uh, drew it and like oh yes it's it's people of color that we're keeping an eye out but the same thing applies for like who are writing these stories like who's writing crazy rich asians it, it, it's it's fair uh, fair to point out that the author uh, uh was asian great is it is it another let's just say white guy who's writing an asian story of what they think like that would be I think that representation is important, like all around. And that gives us a better, you know, better representation because of it to tie in with the responsible representation that Shiv was saying. Well, yeah, because if you're somebody who's writing it of that culture, of that racial background, you can relate versus somebody who can't relate to your story or how the culture is. It just feels out of place. Right. I'm uh, like one of my favorite books is um, Joy Luck Club. Okay. um, Written by an Asian woman about Asian women, about generational Asian women. And the story is so powerful. And each of their vignettes is just incredible. I mean, there's a movie as well. So if you want to watch the movie, 
Um, but I just found it very powerful about self-worth and how, you know, certain things pass on from one woman's generation to the next. And just to have it written by an Asian woman, it was really, you can tell. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, I just had a, like a, I was like, I should look this up. The Last Samurai, written by like three white guys. Yeah. Who's the star of it? A white guy. <laughs> a white guy. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Wow. It, it, it's things like that. If you look back on like these, like American-made Japanese movies, they're they're not going to have Japanese writers. It's, I think also what you mentioned about people being behind the lens, right? Uh, if you're talking from a film standpoint, yeah. in real life, I'm a wedding photographer, so I oh. really do value my eye, again, through my lived experience and also because I can relate to a lot of the cultures that I'm shooting. Um, but when you're talking about filmmaking or TV show production, I think Moon Knight is like the most recent example I could think of of how impactful it is when you have someone that is a minority telling the minority story and also using their music that they use in that show, just like really brilliantly making this all-encompassing view of their culture so that people can be proud of it versus fetishizing it, exoticizing it, or making fun of it with stereotypical usage. Um, and the same thing goes for Shang-Chi and for the, um, the more recent um, conversation around Miss Marvel. I know that there are a ton of South Asian creators that are excited for it, but then you see total backlash for it otherwise, right? Because people can't look past certain things in order to appreciate that this means a lot for minorities that have not felt represented in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, photography and it's very interesting because you will get photographers that only photograph white weddings or you can tell from their stuff because they will put a filter on uh, by the way, any likeness or, or similarities to anyone's story is pure coincidence. I'm not calling <laughs> out anyone specific, but you know, uh, there'll be, uh, an all, uh, a wedding that's primarily white with a couple of people of color and they'll slap like a rustic filter on the whole thing to make, uh, uh, to, to kind of give color to, to people who are white, but then it just changes the color of other people. Or they're like overexpose one or underexpose the other, uh, but it tends to it tends to be that they will underexpose the white people, not overexpose. So it's in the service of 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 their white subjects as opposed to their more melanated subjects. Yeah. Um, photography kind of has that. Um, and the same thing you were talking about with. Um... Oh no, the thought left my mind. <laughs> the same thing you were talking about with oh, uh, white white people writing the last samurai, mm. right? You have a very similar concept in photography, especially weddings, uh, and especially in California because there's so many South Asian weddings. Yeah, you have white people that have dominated the space for a very long time that are photographing weddings that don't necessarily abide by the rules and customs of South Asian culture. For example, taking your shoes off before entering a house. 
um, for Sikh weddings, um, for Punjabi people that wear turbans for their weddings, you have to cover your head, whether you're a female or a male. Mm. And there are a lot of white people that don't know that prior to going into ceremonies. It's almost like there's a whole rule book, right? Yeah. For every different type of culture. And even within um, the Asian subcontinent, right? Like, or the Asian continent, there's so many different sets of rules. Uh, so to me, it's always been really interesting watching white people in this space because I'm kind of sitting here back laughing because I'm like, you're doing this all wrong. Right. And I don't need to be the one to educate you. If you claim that you're an expert in this space, then you should know that. And you should have the respect for these cultures to do that. And this exact same philosophy applies to writing and direction in Hollywood, where they don't respect people enough to actually do the research to represent them correctly on screen. And that ends up leading to a lot of backlash from people that are actually within that culture that don't feel represented. It's almost like a occupational imperialism. Yeah. It's a great way to play it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, but did I come up with that? <laughs> you just made it up. Yeah. You what? just did right now. Uh, Point it. <laughs> you know, yeah. TM trademarked right there. Um, knowledge, right? Like knowledge and empathy is like, uh knowledge and empathy is, is super important the willingness to learn going to a you know uh uh going to a, a jewish wedding and not abiding by the customs is is not good right going to any place that's outside your realm of understanding and not abiding by the customs not great uh uh has there been anything in like the things that you've been watching that have been glaringly obvious that the writer just kind of wrote BS that they did not know the customs in like a movie or a TV show or anything? I wouldn't say it was about any cultural representation, but if you watch Netflix's new movie, Senior Year, there is a South Asian actress on there. She's South Indian specifically, and they named her Janet Singh, which is very odd considering that Singh is a Punjabi last name and Janet, although there are definitely anglicized names in, in, the, in the South Asian subcontinent, um, is not, it would never be paired with Singh because Singhs are typically sick. Yeah. So religiously, none of that made sense to me. Um, and you just have that con the same thing where I constantly feel like why people are writing roles for people. And then someone auditions that as a POC and then just don't change the name. And I'm just wondering why is that the case? Like, like what? Do you think it's up to the actor or actress who is POC or who is Southeast Asian to bring it up to the writer and say, hey, you know, this is culturally incorrect. Yeah, I, I definitely think the onus does fall on the actor as well. I know she's a very new actress, so that's kind of where I'm maybe thinking she didn't feel like she had the, the say or the hold to make a decision like that. and. I, I think it's definitely gotten better over time, but I, I really don't understand. And maybe someone that is in the acting sphere can answer this question, right? Because like, I know that you get roles a lot of the time that are typecast, like Dimitri, how you brought up all of the various roles that your acting coach said that yeah. you could basically play, right? But is it on the actor to to accept those roles and make with the make with what they're given with the character to make it non-stereotypical or is it on the writer to not even have a cat a, a role that exists like that in this time and day it's uh uh that's a multi faceted question uh it comes down to power right 
there there are there there are so many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to like doing some sort of film production that like things get changed along the way but then things also don't get changed there's a writer then there's the directors the producers there's all of that and an actor isn't technically supposed to be like writing their own lines right or or changing certain things they could bring something up but sometimes if it's your first gig if it's the person in senior year i don't know who that person is or whether that's their first gig but like they might not feel comfortable bringing it up and sure i would like to say like you got to bring it up and at least have it on the record that you brought it up. But at the same time, sometimes you just keep your head down and you're like, this is my gig. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, you know, you know, kind of do what I need to do to, to, to kind of push forward. I feel like a lot of minority actors have very similar starting out stories where they're playing like Cal Penn plays a terrorist in 24, right? That's after he plays a three-dimensional character in Harold and Kumar like it's weird like he had to backtrack do that then kind of move forward yeah because um, what other opportunities do they have right like right. If, if you're just starting out and you're getting these opportunities out the door yeah of course I do feel it's your responsibility to do the right thing and, and take the role that makes the most sense that's not offensive but especially um about like 10 15 years ago that was not even an, an option for no. a lot of actors so no Again, social that, media changes things, right? You can you can tweet out that people are being racist on your set. Something happens, yeah. right? Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Cindy, did you? I, I forget where we left off with you, but um, I don't know, I've just been listening. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yes, I I think that like those those actors should bring it up, but then there are cases like. Uh, and this is a minority situation and not like specifically uh, uh, Asian American, but uh, the actress who played Angela in Boy Meets World, they, uh, 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 she's black. They did not have a hairdresser that could do black hair. So she did her own hair oh, wow. for a prime time show on ABC. She did her own hair and they did not supply her with a hair person because these they they can't work with that right they don't have the the experience and it was a predominantly white show she was like the only person of color she was the only person of color not just like you yeah she was the only person of color and they didn't have a hairdresser for her and they didn't bring one in specifically for her she just did her own hair for a prime time tv network show um I think the same that's the same conversation about well, who's behind the lens right yeah and that means like the entire production like are you doing the right thing by in terms of wardrobe styling especially because that has so much cultural ties to a lot of different cultures yeah like yeah so uh, uh similar note about the lighting on insecure but the opposite is is that they light it so well for dark-skinned actors like there are literal articles talking about how they light for dark skin to make it look gorgeous. Whereas I don't, I can't, I can't tell you how many like projects I've been on where I'm they're like, where I've had to be like, I know it's hard to light me. I get it. Uh, you know, sorry. Why am I apologizing? Sorry. Yeah. You don't know how to light multiple different skin tones 
you're only used to lighting light-skinned actors. But I have apologized. I shouldn't have, but I have. But I also say, if they lit Wesley Snipes in Blade, they can light me. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> there should be like a class specifically for like, you know, people of color. Right. Right. Uh, uh, working with people of color uh, is a very specific thing that a lot of people just neglect. And they're like, nah, I can just do whatever I want. So again, occupational imperialism. Have you heard about the Shirley card? Um, in terms of lighting in Hollywood. I, I, I think I have, but, but maybe it's, not. It's basically just a bunch of white women, <laughs> very different, not very much different in skin tone. Like when you look at foundations for women, there's like this big of a range for white people and mm. like this small of one for POC women. But um, the Shirley card is like a card that they would um, use to balance skin tones. Uh, I think probably back in the seventies, I want to say that's when it started um, that Kodak came out with. And that's how... <laughs> like lighting in its in and of itself has a very racial history in Hollywood. And that's why a lot of the skin tones and why people are confused on how to light is, is because it stems from that foundation. So um, I totally agree in that schools should have a lighting class for darker skin people. It's like one of my biggest qualms yeah. watching TV. A lot of the time this is that they, they really like ex bring up the exposure for a lot of dark people. And we end up looking like we have huge triangles, like in these, in our highlights. Um, that is something have. I have never thought about ever but lighting no i've never i never realized this yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah wait like even just taking a camera with like when you're out with your friends and you have varying skin tones like where do you put the exposure do you where do you overdo it do you underdo it like but like if you're a professional that's your job right yep to do that also your your iphone um camera enhances everyone's exposure no matter who you are so whatever you see in your camera is actually not your skin tone at all so you oh. should always drag down the exposure a little bit oh interesting mm -hmm. um constant eurocentric beauty standard <laughs> yeah yeah um but like what we're what we're saying is like yeah representation uh, uh, across this whole kind of thing have, th have there been any other like glaringly obvious like oh uh, Cho Chang pops up in my head from Harry Potter. Oh my God! Let's. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that name because it's two Asian last names. Yes, in one. And back in 2020, there was a huge Harry Potter TikTok craze, and everybody was making all all the cosplayers were making Harry Potter OCs and like pretending they were going to Hogwarts and stuff, and like. I had a bunch of friends that like literally wrote stories for themselves it, within the seven years of Hogwarts mm -hmm. they chose. And, and we all chose like to make OCs based on what house we're a part of. My house was Ravenclaw. So I literally was like, I'm about to make a Harry Potter OC knowing full well someone's gonna call me Cho Chang. And it did happen. Um, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, when I first got my Harry Potter attire, like I got the tie and I got a vest and I got some socks, like Ravenclaw socks. And I made a Instagram story and I like a picture of me with it all. And I just kind of went, oh my God, I'm excited to do a Harry Potter OC. And then I, I think I also wrote like making bets for when I'm going to be called Cho Chang. And I'm pretty sure somebody 
responded to that story saying are you cosplaying Cho Chang and I was just like they did not understand the assignment oh my god <laughs> they did not understand the assignment <laughs> yeah I uh Cho Chang the Patel twins in mm. in Harry Potter wait who who here has read Harry Potter or knows Harry Potter stuff okay Okay, I mean, we're all, we're all cool kids. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> all, all the cool, cool adults. Yeah, uh, the, the like people pointed out on TikTok how the Patel twins, their saris in the winter in the Yule Ball, were like really bad, and like they it seemed like they were treated as an afterthought. Like the costume designers, like ah, we'll just we'll throw some curtains together and see what happens well yeah i think it's surprising considering it's filmed in england and they have access to a lot of great indian clothing um and i mean i'm just gonna chalk it up to the fact that it was made in a certain time period and there probably weren't a lot of brown people behind the lens working in costume production you know what i'm saying like um i don't think anyone did the due diligence to even research they probably just went somewhere in london and just got some outfits and and called it a day but right like I said, that's why it's important to have people of color behind the scenes too. Yeah. It's not just about in front of the camera. So yeah, at the very least, the proper education, yeah. the proper knowledge. So the thing about cult, uh, occupational imperialism is that like it's gonna slip it into conversation. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna own it now because like uh, it, it's going into other spaces and not choosing to learn but choosing that they adapt to you and that your ideas are correct so it's it's that unwillingness to learn it's like okay i are don't tell me what a sorry is i already know i can do it i'm a costume designer of course you know and then just like put something together and it's like that is not what what is that yeah it's 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 weird um was there was there a movie that stands out that did it right that did all these things like represented uh 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 the people correctly uh crazy rich asians was like a big phenomenon uh when it came out um i personally think it has some flaws but it was very refreshing like my mom and i we go and see those movies right like we're just like this is awesome like like we're gonna support that um was there is there like a big movie that stands out to you guys that like that's your number one that's one of your number ones um bend it like beckham (laughs) very old yeah it's actually ahead of its time in my opinion yeah it's a very good movie yeah but they yeah there's some definitely some caricatures of of desi culture in it but overall a lot of what they talk about they talk about queer representation in that film within the south asian community even which is like super rare for brown people um and just like her being a tomboy her wanting to choose between sports and saris essentially quote unquote you know like um it's it's one of my favorite films it does a lot of things right so yeah it's definitely underrated. I remember watching that with my family. Um, and like, yeah, like the, the dad can't, wasn't allowed to play cricket uh, in the clubs, in, in like the major clubs, because they were uh, racist. Yeah. Um, but then you get this also, was it Jonathan Reese Myers? Is that who? Yes, yes. Jonathan Reese Myers is like- <laughs> JT's like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Jonathan Reese Myers has something in that movie where he's just like, don't, don't you think I know what it's like to be discriminated against? And yeah. it's like, okay, fine. Product of his time. Okay. Yeah. But otherwise yeah. good. But it's also relatable, right? Like yeah. she, she's talking about being called Packy when yeah. she's Indian and how that makes her feel. And yeah. of course we see that in the BLM movement, right? How white people are like, they want white lives matter versus black lives matter. Like that's not the point. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like we're struggling <laughs> for vastly different reasons. Yeah. So, um, Which it, I, it is also re- like a regional thing. Like Americans don't say, don't use Packy as a slur. But like, it's a British thing. And that's like, when I had to learn, I'm like, oh shit. Like, yeah, they would use it against me if I was there. You right? Like they would use it for all brown people. Like that's a slur. Specifically darker brown people. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, And that's not something that like I experienced that specific thing here, but uh, that was illuminating as well. But yeah, Bend it by Beckham. Bend it by Bend it like Beckham. (laughs) Like Beckham. Yeah. Bend it by Beckham sounds like a, like a, like a brand of clothing. It's Bend It by Beckham. It's his line. Um, yeah, that's a good one. JT, did you did you have one that you were going to talk about? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think uh, Joy Luck Club did it really well. Like, in terms of um, Asian culture, because it was written by an Asian woman. The cast is fully Asian. Ming-Na Wen is in it. I mean, it's like one of her first movies um it's it's a great cast and it always it's it's resonated with me for such a long time only because it's very asian centric and it's about women and you know any story that features asian women women in the forefront is something that will will resonate with me yeah yeah when did that movie come out that was the 90s right I think so. Yeah, I just looked look. it up. It's 1993 because I was yeah. curious too. <laughs> There's a lot of like, like actresses that I know that are in it. Um, There's a, it's a huge cast of actresses. Ming Na Wen. That's right. How did this film get made in this time? <laughs> if we're talking about diversity in this time period, like this seems like such a great risk to take. You know, it, it was. It was, and it was. That, that's why it always stuck out for me because it was such a huge risk of, of its time. And it was, it was wildly successful. And I think it's because the book was so wildly successful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say risk because of like how, you know, Shang-Chi, how Kevin Feige mentioned that they're basically taking a risk with, with the Shang-Chi story, right? And how that made so many Asian people feel because of that. Like, but it's, it's really crazy to see that in the 90s. I feel like that didn't exist in that time. So, yeah um how come why why do you think that this movie being successful did not pave the way for more stories being told especially with these actors and actresses like higher profile careers maybe other studios weren't willing to take the risk they were scared to take the risk you know, this studio might have been a pioneer in, you know, storytelling. Who knows right. why? Right. Um, Cindy, Shiv, do you have any opinion about that specific question? I think it's about um, definitely what JT mentioned, that no one was willing to take the risk, but also that what you mentioned about Goose, right? In that in terms of audience, people are attracting 
I mean, the majority white audience to the theaters to watch these films. So like, are we going to make more movies that hit minority groups? Or are we going to make more movies that will bring a, a larger group of population at that time obviously the population has changed since then so that's what's also been really interesting about hollywood right is that they're trying to attract a whole demographic of people that they never really had to prior so yeah i think a lot of what was i think the biggest factor especially way back when way back when oh my goodness um i I think a big factor that plays into it is just what makes the most money so it's like Tell, tell these minority stories and consider it a risk because it's like we don't know if we're going to make we're gonna, we don't know if we're going to profit from this it's like you know the hollywood is going to choose what they know is going to make the most money because at the end of the day it's a corporation it's right. a business they're they're trying to they're just trying to make a profit off of all of this instead of having this um what's the right way to say this um instead of having this representation it's, yeah. it's more important for them to get to get the money in their yeah. pockets yeah so. they're not considering the art or the sociological impact they're creating yes. they're thinking about the impact yes. on their wallet right yes exactly that's that's i think the biggest thing and that's what i think we're starting to break away from or i was hope i hope we can break away from yeah I've, there there are so many beautiful stories out there and i don't think it matters how much money it will make um when somebody sees it they're going to go oh my goodness this is beautiful and it doesn't it doesn't matter like i have i have many friends that think shang chi is one of the greatest films that marvel has made thus far and you know i don't think it's because like it's solely because of the cultural thing i think it's because it was told so well there was a lot there was such good action scenes in it um the whole thing with the family it's just it's such an emotional thing to watch and i think that's what kind of matters it's like having these having that cultural background but then having these great stories that come along with it and that's why i'm like that's why i keep saying we're going in the right direction yeah and we're starting to break away from something and i feel like we're in the very first stages of seeing this yeah um and i think that's why i love shang chi and i love joy luck club is because both stories were about family and both stories were so rich in storytelling about family and culture. It, it was just so well told. And yeah. I also think if we're talking about a movie that hits both the art standard and also the production um, gross profit standard is um, everything everywhere all at once. Like it hits the perfect sweet spot between being able to showcase the cinematic beauty of film and also a very minority storytelling right. <laughs> um, concept by also producing a ton of money in the box office and getting a lot of people to talk about it um, yeah. in a way that we've never really seen, to be honest, yeah. for a lot of minority stories. It's it it's it does hit so many aspects. And that's like it's so funny how much people have been talking about the movie. The movie only came out like what two months ago, three months ago at most. Like, I still haven't seen it. Oh. I, I still no! have yet to see it. it got, see it while it's in theaters if you can find it. Even if you can find like a dollar theater, five dollar theater, whatever. Like see it's, it on the big your, screen. Get your life together, JT. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, ha- I have to be there with JT because I haven't seen it yet. Either, yeah. so I, can't, I can't let him go down without me there. But, oh my God. Um, <laughs> you have to watch it soon. Yeah. Please. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to answer kind of or or to to 
what I was asking, like why the Joy Luck Club didn't lead into more movies, more stories with these uh, uh, actors and actresses um, is because I think people view that as an, like they, they view movies about the Asian experience with Asian actors as one thing, but they consider the human experience as a specifically white thing. Get what I mean? Like Asians have the Asian experience, black people have the black experience, but only white people have the human experience. Cause we could take Ming-Na Wen, why don't we put take Ming-Na Wen and put her into an experience in which she's, um, you know, she's just a mom trying to raise her kids. And like suddenly like rowdy neighbors move in next door. And like, why can't she be the actress in that movie? That's a human experience movie, right? but she can't because she's not human we're not human but we don't I also have the human like, experience i also feel like ming na wen and at the same time lucy lu both got typecast they did they both I, because lucy lu when she first burst into the scene she was on alec mcbeal and mm-hmm. she played a dragon lady so every other role she's had she always played that strong dragon lady type whereas right. ming na wen after she did Joy Luck Club, she went on to do, um, oh my God, Street Fighter, where she was Chun-Li. Was that after and or before? It was after. Oh, okay. And so when she did Chun-Li, I think she started getting typecast because yeah. she's Asian. She knows how to fight. And then, of, co- of course, she shows up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as May, as typecast as well. Right. She also I don't voiced know if she Mulan. Was, she voiced Mulan, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'm looking at, looking at these. Yeah. Um, that's funny that you bring up typecast because typecast affects everyone. That being said, people who are minorities or in ethnic communities get typecast with their ethnicity. Whereas let's just say white actors can get typecast due to archetypes. Right. Um, which is something I was thinking about before the show is that like this archetype of like, yeah, that's a cop. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, the the silent stoic hero. Those don't apply to minority groups. Minority groups get placed into ethnic stereotypes right. uh, versus like we can be like Chris Pratt with a six pack is an action hero, but also smarmy, sarcastic, whatever. That's his type. But that like applies to anything like that could be a barista. That could be a cop. That could be a whatever. But Tiger Lady is a very specific, ethnically uh, uh, specific role. That doesn't apply to everything. No, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. Like, who's going to play a cowboy? Who's going to play an astronaut? Who's going to play a cop? Who's going to play a doctor? By the way, the fact that there's not more, like, Asian representation in any hospital drama. What is going on there? Oh, right. Like Grey's Anatomy. Not a single brown doctor. Uh, that's incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Factually incorrect. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm in this space because I would have never realized this. I don't watch doctor shows. It's 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 weird. 
but you do see them in in movies pop up i feel like if you're talking about like science and academia there are typically a lot of asian and brown people that are cast in those roles right um, is it because we're being stereotyped yes, yes it's a typecast thing that's and as from as coming from a creative in this that's brown that's why i feel a certain way about it because i'm like well you never show any brown people that are uh in film that are just working in like in production in like if they're on camera it's always white people most of the time that are just like holding a boom mic or you know like so it's it's like a strange thing to think about typecasting when it comes to like non-culturally representative roles like right. if you're just having someone on screen that is supposed to represent something right um and even if if they're a if even if you fill a hospital with with background actors who are diverse who are this where are the speaking roles going yeah for sure 100%. right Who's the focus? Who are we supposed to relate to? Who has the human experience? Yeah. It's because ethnicities aren't considered human or ethnicities aren't considered having the human experience. I do think that is changing though. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing finally people of color enter roles that are leading leading characters, romantic leads that are that are getting the human experience, right? Yeah. Or they are just like doing everyday things that like you mentioned, like the mom living next to rowdy neighbors, like that concept I feel like is now finally getting put into play because they're finally realizing that you didn't need to look a certain way to play that role. Right. But um, I think that that is kind of where I see the future of representation going is us finally filling roles that are just meant to for good actors versus yeah. having some type of always having to tie back to cultural representation. I want more visual representation in the future. Yeah. Just like people being people. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, you brought up romantic leads, and I think the biggest uh, uh, shift to to representation and like making it progressive is the shift from sex object to romantic lead. Being a romantic lead, I think, is the biggest step forward for any group. Um, I know Billy Eichner has a as a movie come out coming out called Bros, which is a gay romantic comedy and that is putting a uh, 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 queer representation to the forefront with a romantic lead instead of just a supporting character that's going to give you a makeover right i have mixed reviews about that movie Do though. You? i would love to hear it yeah i have mixed because i've only seen the trailer for it yeah and i just yeah. see billy eichner being a white man kissing other white men right and i'm like Yes. Where's the diversity here? Like, there's right. more than just white men. Right. Have you seen the trailer for Fire Island, JT? I have. Okay, I have. do you have thoughts on that? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I, <laughs> I just, I have a hard time with the LGBTQ genre sometimes because it gets so, it gets, it re- revolves so much around sex. Yeah. And this is what I love about Heartstopper. Mm. Because it was never revolving around sex. It was such a pure experience. And it was innocent. It was just, it wasn't raunchy. Like a lot of these, you know, LGBTQ genre movies tend to be just about sex and about hooking up and making it a comedy, making it about romance. But like, I like Heartstopper because it was about an innocent love, an innocent attraction. And that teen angst of how you feel about falling in love, you know? 
I will say that I was excited for Fire Island because at least there was some Asian queer representation. True. It wasn't only just white men because that's the first thing that stood out to me in Bros was like, okay, well, I yeah. do love Billy Eichner, but there's not a single person of color on this and in this trailer, which is not good for what's going to happen in the film, right? Right. right but right. with with Fire Island, I completely agree about the whole um, most most gay rom coms that have been that have come out within the past like three years have been about sex. And I'm just grateful that it's not constantly coming out stories because I feel like at some point we've got to move past that in order to normalize being around and being amongst queer people or else we're just going to see them differently in society and that's not doing anything to benefit them, right? Right. So um, I'm all for these movies coming out, but I definitely agree that there needs to be, just like we talked about with Ming-Na Wen, there needs to be, the queer people also need to just be everyday people doing everyday things. Right, right. that's that's eventually where this needs to go or else we're going to get them also being typecast essentially right and like going back to you saying like you know transitioning from being the sex object to a romantic role henry goulding tried to do that with um last christmas where he became the romantic leading role Mm -hmm. um so having more of a, a leading role i think just makes it more possible for you know AAPI representation in media to be leading roles and leading romantic roles. Yeah. Um, Lucy Liu was kind of a sex object, right? Like she was the hot Asian girl. She was fetishized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of like Asian women in general, right? Like it's it's South Asian, East Asian. Uh, Asian women get fetishized into this exotic thing. They, They can appear as a James Bond, like femme fatale. Michelle Yeoh, you know, but like, like, are they being cast in in the human experience? Right. It's it's tough. And that's kind of what's going on right now. But things are changing. And I want to kind of end on 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 uh, talking about that is like. What is changing right now? What is what does the future entail? What can we hope for the future? We don't know what the future entails. Do we have any idea of like kind of what we want to see? I think for me, I just want to see more res- representation across the board, whether it be rom-coms, sitcoms, action movies, TV shows. I just want representation and not stereotypical representation. Like I would like to see an Asian or South Asian um, astronaut. It, he doesn't have to be white. Right. Right. Um, like you said, in Top Gun, he doesn't have to be white. Yeah. So just representation across the board. And I think we're getting there. We're, we're moving in that direction. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think Shiv kind of said it exactly how I think it's, I want it to be. It's like the visual representation. Um, just when getting to that direction, um, I think that's what, that's what I want to see in the future. Cause like, like I said before, I think we're going in the right direction and we can only go up from here. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that right now we're seeing a lot of generational trauma stories based we on are. our cultures, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think uh, like what are the examples here? Like turning um, red, turning red, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Um, Encanto was most Encanto. recent from last year. Um, those are the ones I feel like TikTok really just brought to the forefront, yeah. right? 
Um, but I think that that is a result of people in our age demographic actually taking space in Hollywood and getting their stories told. Yeah. So what I hope for in the future is an evolution of those stories, just like how I mentioned with queer coming out stories. I want an evolution of how we are now second generation um, Americans, right? In still rooted in our culture somehow, but also just living. Right. everyday life so I want to see that the story evolution happen with a lot of whether across the genres right that we that we're seeing but also more again visual representation of people that's not constantly tied to culture because like Cindy mentioned you know we're, we're even as an adult I feel like I'm still trying to decide what part of me identify most with or in certain aspects of my life so I think that that is something I want to see just more in the future also, I just want to add um, content creators. I'd like to see a lot more representation in content creators, like what we do. Um, and I think that helps bring forth change. Yeah. I agree. I, I, uh, I wasn't sure whether I was going to like be able to touch on this, but like growing up, uh, I, I was always told like, oh, I'm smart, right? Like, cause that's like kind of a thing. Also, I, I was smart and I was, yes. Was I good at math? Yes. Was I good at spelling? Yes. Are there stereotypes? Yes. <laughs> but I like, that was like either expected of me or like kind of a given. Um, then when I did comedy, like, okay, like I'm funny, but then you realize that like, there's like characters that are funny on TV that look like me that aren't necessarily great, but uh, that's fine. But like growing up without the, uh, uh, proper representation is like who then can I look up to to be the person that I want to be because there weren't romantic leads and then that led a young me to be like where do I fall in the romantic landscape of real life right if I can't see that in media where does that happen in real life um so I, I kind of like, uh, even though I, I, this is a flawed thing, I don't know if anyone watches Gronish, but there's Vivek on Gronish, who, but he's still treated like the dummy of the group. Hey, Shiv, have you seen it? I have, I've definitely seen um, episodes, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen Vivek on there for sure. It's yeah. like, okay, cool. He dates, he, whatever, but he's also not, I don't know. Anyway. I forget what my original question was, but I want to <laughs> see more. I want to see just see better uh, 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 human experiences coming from all, like all different minority groups, and like the generational trauma thing will burn out soon enough. Once we got that solved, we won't have any more generational trauma. Um, but like like the human experiences and seeing that, and like hopefully the kids growing up kind of have that. Oh. To tie in with with what JT was saying, I remember where I was going with this, is the content creators and having people see themselves in you and having like us be uh, uh, smart and educational and being like good role models and doing the right thing, hopefully, and like kind of paving, like just doing our part, even if we're just a stepping stone. I think- I always like look at it important. this way. Like if, if you can touch one person that's- that's enough, you know, because it's just, it feels like a domino effect. Yeah. You might inspire somebody. It just, it, you don't have to inspire hundreds. You can just inspire that one person. 
Totally. Yeah. Making an impact, even if it's just knocking the next domino over. Yeah. Right. Um, um, that's, that is super important. Um, does anyone have any final thoughts that we didn't cover before we wrap things up? Again, it seems funny when we start it, we're like two hours. Like that's a, that's a good amount of time. And then it's like at the end of two hours, like, oh, we could have written more books <laughs> on, on this, like on this thing. It's just one book. I I want to say thank you for having me here because I learned a lot more than I was expecting to learn. Yeah. In all seriousness. So uh, I'm I'm glad I got to be here. Thank you. Thank you, uh, all three of you for being here. Uh I think yes, we we all have so much more to learn. And I think the difference is that we know that we have more to learn. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, if there's yeah. anything you need to take out of this episode, it's the trademark term occupational <laughs> imperialism. Uh, uh, it's, plug. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to plug that. Um, but I That's think that, the episode. that relies on, that relies on like going into a space and being like, I know everything already. What's the point? You know, like shush, shush, shush. I got nothing left to learn, but no, we're all coming into it being like, we have so much to learn. But that's the healthiest part of it. It's like you have to come into a space where you're willing to learn and hear other voices. Yeah. Like if you close off and you say you know everything, you're not willing to hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's like an important aspect that JT brought up about the content creators specifically um, because we're seeing a lot of different minority ethnic groups that are coming out and speaking on certain subjects that are helping us learn. Um, almost like they do the research for us sometimes, which is not great, but I think it helps us at least try to be like, okay, well, I didn't know that. So maybe I should do some more research on it to like better understand where they're coming from or what it is about this that um, relates to their culture. Um, so I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I really want to see more diversity in content creation, especially in film critics and reviews, like I mentioned. So yeah, oh, yeah. and like exa- exactly what you just mentioned, like I just learned myself that, you know, being AAPI month, the PI part of AAPI month doesn't necessarily feel included in the AAPI month. And they want, they, some of them want to separate from it. Yeah. So that was something that I had to learn. And when I first was first approached by it, I was like, I was stubborn and I was like, no, you're part of it. You're part of it. But I had to consciously sit there and listen and humble myself and say, you know what? You're right. Like I didn't intentionally in- like I unintentionally didn't include AA of the PI part because I was just saying like my five favorite comic book characters, but I do realize that there needs to be more PI representation. Yeah, yeah. And and something about the the constraints of this, just this talk in general is that like, we we can't hit all our topics that we even wanted to talk about and just write more books on it. Like that'll come later, I guess, but like, uh, uh, there are obviously like like whole groups that that are not represented by this episode alone, um, but I think that the the lessons that we've learned and the education that we have here uh, hopefully can be applied across the board, right? Yeah. Um, and going into spaces and like learning from people and learning about uh, uh, different experiences and that we all have human experiences. We're not just like one type of person. Um, uh, uh, I think that can can be uh, applied to everything. We're all talking about our own like specific experiences and trying to like tie it all together. But again, we're not a monolith, no. you know. 
um, and we're all kind of doing the best we can and kind of being the best people that we can. And hopefully that helps other people, you know, and helps ourselves. Cause I'll be honest, there's a lot of decoding that I've had to do defragmenting, whatever metaphor you want to use of like society telling me who I need to be, who I am, what I can't be. And kind of like decoding that mindset. Cause you go with the flow in, in, in the beginning. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of how, just how it works. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Let me ask more questions. And, uh, and I think that's important. Um, uh, I want to thank the audience out there uh, for watching. I know that a lot of, uh, uh, there were a good amount of people that were watching, but I know that they were uh, staying a little quiet and that's great. That's fine. You know, uh, uh, more power to you. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Paula la 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 ninety nine says, "Great talk. I learned a lot." Smiley face. And then Patty Patty Luquin or or Luquin uh, says, "Same here. I really enjoyed it so much." Uh, and I want to thank anybody out there who is watching this live or listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for for being a part of this. Um, uh, and I want to thank uh, Cindy Shiv and JT so much for being on this episode. And talking about this. Otherwise, it'd just be me talking about for two hours, and I'm not going to do that. It's not about me, you know. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank, yeah. thank you. Uh, before, it was nice meeting you guys, Cindy and Shiv. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Likewise. Uh, before we get going, though, if uh, if we can go one by one and tell everybody our social media, where we can find uh, you, what you got coming up, uh, Cindy, uh, where right. can we find you? So now with my new rebrand you can find me on tiktok and instagram at it's cindy che so and i have it written i don't know if you could see my could you spell it out for people listening to the podcast so i-t-s-c-i-n-d-y-c-h-e-a it's cindy che and then i also every time i'm on your show i love plugging my youtube channel that has no videos yet because one day there will be a video it's just a matter of time is it also it's cindy che it's gonna um if you look up cindy che you might be able to find it just because there's since there's no videos on it yet it'll be easier to go to my link tree and then go to my youtube that way so yeah, yeah. but one day there will be a video on there i promise okay <laughs> so, you know you can upload your tiktoks to youtube now i think i could but that require i want to like compile them in a specific way so that's that fair requires effort that's fair it's rebranding <laughs> season it's, it's rebranding <laughs> season you're right it's rebranding season now's the time uh but uh but thank you cindy uh you do you do great cosplay you do great work and uh uh, i love having you on the show thanks so much thank you i love being here so well i'll continue having you then (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) jt uh where can people find you uh what do you got coming up um you can find me on tiktok and instagram i don't have a youtube channel i'm debating if i should have one but both my handles are white wolf uh, of themiscira white wolf being a uh, tribute to sebastian stan's character mm. winter soldier and themiscira because oh, i love wonder woman yeah um but uh getting past moving past aapi month June's coming up and it's LGBTQ plus month. So I'll be doing a lot of LGBTQ plus stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, no, thank you, you for having me. I loved you do, it. You do great content. And um, uh, I forget what you, you brought up what, like who would you have on your team? And you obviously brought up Wonder Woman. I'm like, of course, White Wolf of Themyscira. Of course you would have 
Wonder Woman on your team. <laughs> That's fair. Oh no, it was. Uh, where would you would you want to be a mutant, an Amazon, uh, 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 like a Kryptonian? That's or the one. Yes, and that's the was, one. You're like, oh, I'd obviously be Amazon. I'm like, yes, yes. of course. See, that's on brand. No rebranding for you. Yeah, <laughs> that is on brand. It's all on brand. <laughs> oh shit! I didn't wow. notice. I love that. <laughs> that's so dope. One Wonder Woman tattoos uh, on your on your wrist slash forearm for anyone yeah. out there watching the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I've never seen that even in your videos. Have you Have you shown that in your videos? I think I have like earlier, early on. Yeah. Like there was a there was a TikTok that I stitched. They were like, you know, based on your tattoos, would you win? And I'm like, damn right, I'm gonna win. <laughs> Those are badass. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, uh, and uh, Shiv, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Where can people find you? I am on TikTok, Shiv, S-H-I-V, period, A-L-R-Y. It's a pun on my name, chivalry. And I um, am only on TikTok for film stuff. And my Instagram is like purely photography. So there's like absolutely no correlation between the two. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's chivalry, period, I-N-C. Um, so you is it period or underscore? Or underscore, my bad. Okay. It's underscore. Wow, I don't even know my handle. Great. Um, but yeah, so I have, I have like a split personality. You could choose which one you want. Um, but yeah, what's to come is just a lot more talk on representation, especially with um, what JT mentioned with a lot of the pride stuff. I do want to um, cover those movies because uh, I feel like there's not going to be a lot of people talking about it and I want to help add to that conversation. Um, and also with uh, Miss Marvel coming out, which is really big for a lot of South Asians, um, just talking about the show and bringing a lot more awareness. There's a lot of Pakistani people that are in that production too. So it's gonna be a really fun time. Quick question for you, Shiv. How do you feel that Miss Marvel and Kenobi are getting released on the same day, same time? <sighs> you know, <laughs> I don't, I think that they, um, they have so much time between projects. I don't know why they couldn't change the release date or or the day uh, of the how, week or yeah exactly or the or the production changes but like i just um they're cannibalizing you know, their own franchise though I know, they're both they disney are. it is ridiculous to, to be honest i think they did that in the, for another um marvel tv series as well it's the first that. time actually what yeah really it's the first time they they even moved um they they've moved schedules around to make it work that nothing lands up on the same week on the same week now yeah. I get it, more projects, but you could have had one come out on Wednesday and one come out on Friday. Yeah, there's there's five days for you to release this stuff. Like, right. there's no reason for that to be the case. Right. And Marvel's been announced for a long time, so I think that's kind of sad. I'm kind of uh, peeved because I I'm very much looking forward to Miss Marvel, but I know Kenobi is literally Obi Wan Kenobi, so that's going to dominate water cooler talk. They're going to watch that first. Yeah, and then and get to Miss Marvel when there's time. I mean, that and a lot of people are already not excited for it. So once again, right. I just want to bring more. I want to vocalize more for a show that I feel like a lot of people are saying stuff about. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one question about Ms. Marvel to Shiv and actually to you as well, to yeah. everybody. Um, how do you feel about the power change? A lot of people bring it up. That's and the first thing that was talked about when people started talking about it and I saw yeah. it conversations yeah i think the, the logistical um argument 
that that I see a lot of people making for it is that like the whole Reed Richards. Sorry if you have not seen Multiverse of Madness yet. I'm so sorry. Um, the whole Reed Richards um, inclusion, right, was the whole reason why they didn't give Kamala those powers. So I think it's kind of ridiculous how he he literally um, in in Multiverse of Madness, and we just don't really know what his future is. But like, I don't really know much about Miss Marvel. But like, doesn't it play a huge role into her growth as a superhero, being able to shapeshift? Yeah, I think that they're trying to tie it more into Captain Marvel and um, Tiana Paris's character. Uh, Maria Rambo. Yeah. And Maria Rambo yeah. as well, yeah. Um, so I think they're going in that route because they're making the Marvels somewhere down the line. So um, that's what I have heard. I have not read her comics, so I'm not going to sit here and talk about what it means to me. I'm I'm purely just excited to see that type of representation on screen. Representation, so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've read the comics. The comics are consistently one of the best comics, like, ever. Like, it's been a consistent run. And, like, her comics are, like, always great. Even though they have highs and lows. Like, her as a character, she's great. Uh, but my quick opinion is that there's there's too many arguments from, like, every which way when it comes to her power change that I've just, like, I, like yes, her stretchy powers and her shape-shifting matter in the comics, I agree that it's probably the energy constructs is to tie in with the Marvel, the the Miss Marvel and Maria Rambeau brand, because that movie is going to come out either next year or the year after. So I get that. I also think that there might be a like it might be hard to do just do a stretchy superhero. And like it's it's tough to make that like a con like a just a, a conceivably believable character. It does have to do with her her like personality in the comics, but uh, they changed it. I'm not writing off the series for it because I think it'd be doing the series a disservice to write it off because of that. Let's judge it off of it like, 100%. like of how it is as an adaptation. It is an adaptation. And so let's let's judge it off of that. And I'm excited for it. I just want others to be excited for it too. You know, will I watch it with my mom? I'll probably watch it with my mom, actually. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies with my mom. So it's not just just that, but yeah. Um, but uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, DC Comics and Marvel Comics have um, uh, uh, little uh, anthology books that they release for different months. So like Marvel just had Marvel Voices Identity, which was, um, um, I believe, the AAPI uh, uh mm-hmm anthology book for this year uh but in, in during pride month they also do books for pride month uh they do uh books for black history month so if that is something that interests either people on this show or out there in the audience go check those out because um they've been doing a really good job with it with hiring writers and artists of those communities to do those stories and i think that that makes a difference um i will stand by that choice um, but thank you everybody for being able to talk with me about this topic, um, uh, or for listening, uh, for anyone who out there who wants to follow the Keeg on any other social media, it's at the Keeg show on TikTok and Instagram. Those are two big ones, but we're literally live streaming right now to volume Twitch and YouTube. So we're all over the place. You could look up the Keeg show on like anything we're there. Uh, and also listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We do multiple different shows a week, so definitely stay tuned. I will be doing a Miss Marvel after show. 
Um, but I have to figure out again, this, this sucks for me. I have to figure out the Kenobi after show and the Miss Marvel after show. Cause we've been doing after shows for Marvel and star Wars related content. So um, Shiv, I will definitely be hitting you up. Um, uh, Cause I want to know your opinions about Miss Marvel. Um, but thank you everybody out there for watching this. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been the Key Talks AAPI representation in media. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Super fast, gotta beat the boss and get the loot, cause it's the king.